The sounds there of Tony Braxton and Babyface Kenny Edmonds with her to bring the time to 12 minutes after 4 a.m. And that's how we say good morning to you. Very interesting song. God knows I never meant to hurt you. God knows I meant to make you cry. And I suppose that can bring a lot of pain and emotional hurt. And this is actually what we're talking about this morning in our conversation today with Vanessa Mohorosi, founder and chief visionary officer at Naledi Zoa Holistic Wellness and Consciousness Coaching. Today we're talking about emotional wellness, all right? We're talking about how to push through mental blocks, how we talk to ourselves, and also how to transform pain into energy. Vanessa, very good morning to you, and thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Kenny. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and to all the listeners today. Indeed, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning. A very important subject. We're talking today of emotional wellness. And it's usually the last thing we think about. You know, you find somebody, um, you know, you just see them changing over time. Maybe they're becoming more uh, snappy and they're becoming more short-tempered and, you know, they're becoming less, you know, patient. And you dig a little deeper, you find that they're caring a lot emotionally and, and we don't deal, you know, with all of those things. And so today we're talking about, um, you know, how to transform some of your breakdowns into breakthroughs. But let's just talk about, you know, before we even get into a lot of um, the, the specifics today, what is emotional wellness? Um, so emotional wellness would be something that sits in our heart chakra. I think um, the last time we touched on the seven chakras that we have and our emotional body sits within the heart chakra. So this is our ability to love and to receive love. And, you know, with, when life happens to us, this will be heartbreaks and emotional trauma and past hurts and all of that. When they're sitting in our heart chakra, they almost create like a hole, mm-hmm. which makes it almost impossible for us to contain any love that we want to give or receive. And for our heart, our actual heart, to be able to function the way that it's supposed to, so show compassion and kindness and patience and all those traits that our emotional body are supposed to to feel. So when you have an emotional blockage, um, it would usually link right back to the state or the condition that your heart chakra is in. Mm, very important point there and you're right the last time we we had a conversation we spoke you know at length about the different uh, chakras and the energies and in today's life uh you know we have a very crazy um you know schedule everybody's running the red race and you know we're taking in so much more information with social media and everything we tend to have mental blocks you know, where we're no longer even able to think of anything creative or innovative and we can't see a way forward, you know, because of just, you know, <laughs> the Zulu word comes to mind. But what mm. it really is, is there's just a lot of, you know, disruptions and there's a lot happening in your mind. How do we push through mental blocks? Yeah, mental blocks are probably the most difficult because, like I'm saying, you know, most people are actually just only aware of their physical body. Mm-hmm. So by the time you say there's an emotional body, um, they can sort of get it, but the mental body is the hardest to, um, you know, keep in a in a healthy condition. So with mental blocks, it would be indecisiveness when, you know, you have a very simple decision to make, but you have to 
you know, overanalyze or overthink it or you just can't get to the point where you can be very decisive. So this is something that a lot of people would say, I want to shift from being indecisive to decisive decision making. And this is something that's you know, it's it's priceless when you have it. And we all know how it feels like to to be in a situation where, you know, it's a simple decision you can make but you need to ask your aunt and your sister and check on Google and all sorts of things that you do before you can actually make a decision you need external influences, but not the trust and certainty that is required to say, this is what I'm actually going to stick to. Mm, that's very important. And how does a person push through a mental block? The specific inquiries that I use in the consciousness coaching um, methodology, which actually support with this, uh, indecisiveness. And when I say inquiries, these are specific questions that you can ask um, that help you generate insights. So there's questions that you can ask which are not necessarily inquiries mm. um, that will, you know, shift you. But with looking or generating insights, you have to you have to look. And it's a term that I use a lot with my clients as well. Looking and thinking are two totally different things because thinking is a, it's, it's a mechanism of the brain. We think 1,500 thoughts a day and they don't shift us. They're just uh, a stream of, stream of thoughts. But generating insight forces you to actually take a look. Is this where I want to be coming from? Is this a powerful place to be coming from? Does this serve me? So mm. It's questions that will start with what, where, how, when, and who. Who do I have to be to make this decision? So if I'm being a victim right now, that's not going to serve me to make a decision or help me or support me to get to a decision. So you'd have to literally shift yourself from that space to come from a place of power so that a decision can be made. So it's, it's very specific inquiries that are supposed to generate or that are generating um, insights. And insights will shift you from any position that you feel stuck in rather than, you know, the same thinking that got you there. Mm, very important points. Let's talk about negative self-talk. Um, and are those oh, the that's things? A big one. That's a big one, you know, because we all do it, and sometimes we do it so subconsciously, or you know, without even thinking. Like, oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that, you know. And 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 that's something that you just say in passing, but it is negative self-talk, you know. Even though you you may not be conscious, but some of it is more conscious and deliberate, where you actually say uh, things to yourself that are negative. Maybe Maybe based on what others have said about you or, you know, because of what you believe. Let's talk about what is negative self-talk. Awesome. So negative self-talk is usually linked, like you're saying, you know, to previous traumas, to other people's uh, opinions or thoughts about you. Um, And it would also come from just not knowing yourself properly um, or, you know, having developed yourself personally for you to understand who you are um, and it a lot of it does happen consciously can you? Um, so you know it's it's those things we don't say it's those things we think about ourselves when we're looking in the mirror when we have to step up when we have to show up for ourselves it's those conversations that we have with ourselves and most of them we won't even say it. so saying 
oh, this is stupid because I broke it or whatever is, is not even close to what self, uh, negative self-talk is. But it, it would be, you know, those silent, subtle conversations that we have about ourselves. When somebody pays us a compliment, we say thank you or start explaining how old the dress we are wearing is. Um, without really just accepting or embracing a simple compliment. So heartbreaks, previous emotional traumas, um, emotional programming. So there's people that are taught or conditioned, to, and this happens a lot to our men, to not go into an emotional space where they can express fully um, how they feel. Because men are not supposed to feel, I don't know, for what odd reason. Mm. Um, so the negative self-talk would come from there. The moment you start feeling something that is not necessarily welcomed or um, yeah, welcomed by your environment and you end up suppressing it because you don't want to disturb your environment, this would you know, um, send messages and a self-talk that, says that you are not valid or your emotions are not valid, ultimately this would be at the base of this negative self-talk. Now, I would love to also then talk about how does one transform that negative self-talk you know, into something that reflects positivity you know, and something that reflects a, a type of self-love. Uh, does self, a negative self-talk come from you know, not loving yourself or not being aware of your own power and your own you know, positive it, traits? Where does it come from? It would come from not understanding yourself. Mm. You would actually need to, to transform that. You would need to understand and know who you are and what your wiring is like in order for you to start respecting and living towards that. When there's a lack of understanding or a lack of awareness of who you are, it's it's so much easier to, to uh, talk yourself down, to um, invalidate your emotions or your feelings, mm. and also the inability to express um, difficult emotions. So there's something that we call an encounter sharing within the consciousness coaching space, where it's a tool that I, I give my clients to use to um, deal with conflict. So something would happen between, and this this is especially with very sensitive or close relationships. So uh, a relationship between a mother and daughter. If a mother does something to a daughter, we don't. Nobody teaches us how to resolve conflict with our parents without crossing those respectful boundaries. But there's a very powerful tool, which is an encounter sharing, that helps us be able to express our um, negative emotions, so to speak. Um, into something that can change and help the next person see this cause. You know, when you do this, this is how it makes me feel. The the action that you're doing has this impact on me emotionally. Mm, mm, mm. And when it comes to negative self-talk, and I'm going to stay here a little bit because, you know, it is something that a lot of us do. You know, I, I've I've heard motivational speakers talking about positive affirmations, you know, telling yourself, you know, I am beautiful, I am loved, I am strong, I am capable, you know, telling yourself these things over and over again. Is it effective in terms of turning things around mentally? Not quite, because ultimately you need an environment. So I always make an example with, um, you know, there's a, there's a term that we use, it's called, there's two domains that you can operate from. And these domains are called, well, we give them metaphorically, um, Iceland 
and Tahiti. Tahiti being the warm, beautiful island. And you either operating from one of these domains. So when you're operating from Iceland, there's no amount of positive self-talk that you can use. Um, it's not like you can't grow anything in Iceland. You would need a greenhouse to grow anything because the environment is not necessarily conducive to growing something. Right. So some people use positive self-talk and affirmations in an environment of Iceland. If you are internally not aligned and balanced and harmonized and without these blockages, it's hard to convince your mind that things are fine. So positive self-talk and affirmations, you know, they wouldn't necessarily work. So what you need to do is actually shift yourself to operate from the domain of Tahiti. It's beautiful, it's warm, you know, you don't have to do much to grow anything. You can plant a seed anywhere and it will just grow because the environment is conducive. This is where positive self-talk and affirmations would work in an environment where it's conducive to grow something. So it's hard, it's much harder to try and use these beautiful tools and powerful tools of self, uh, of affirmations, positive self-talk and, um, looking at life with, you know, uh, a better perspective, not one that is uh, laced with your, you, you know, your negative or difficulties or social conditionings. Mm, I like the sound of that. Let's get deeper, you know, let's not just stay on the surface, you know, let's deal uh, with the heart of it, which is about getting to know and understand yourself. And also, let's just talk about how does one transform pain into energy? This is an interesting one for me. Yes. So pain is actually energy. And again, it's the social conditioning that says we mustn't go there. So if something is too painful, most people, you know, create um, coping mechanisms to deal with it, but they won't necessarily process the pe- the pain. Something like grief, for instance, again, nobody teaches us how to grieve, but everyone will have advice. Be strong and, you know, hold on and things are going to be fine. And also, but grief needs to be processed. It's 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 an energetic either blockage or something that you can use as a, a fuel to do the things that you're supposed to do. So anger can be transformed into passion, for instance. Um, grief can support us with dealing with uh, and having a different relationship to life. Uh, but if you don't process something as, you know, as painful as losing a loved one um, or uh, processing anger and knowing how to use it and say, okay, here's my whole energy state of anger, I'm going to use that to get the things that I need to get done. So if you have a list of to-do things and you know how to connect to your core energy state of anger, you'll get those things done in a second. If we also take a look at how we are when you're angry, uh, you are energetic, you, you're alert, you know, you can move around, there's just all of a sudden this energy that you have. Nobody feels bored or feels like they're daydreaming when they're angry, but it's it's that, and this needs um, personal development to be able to say, this is the exact emotion that I'm dealing with, and this is what I want to use it and transform it for. And it, it does require, you know, a lot of self-awareness and this personal development work and aligning your chakras and coming from a place where you can actually use the specific things that we can feel and experience into, and transform it into the things that you want it to be. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much to you, uh, Vanessa, for sharing those uh, points with us, talking about emotional wellness. Vanessa, how do our listeners connect with you and also come and make uh, use of your services? Awesome. I am available on my mobile on zero eight three seven one two nine seven nine seven, and I'm also on Twitter v underscore the underscore Donna v the Donna on Twitter. Thank you so much. There you go, Vanessa Mkhorosi. They're joining us. We're talking about emotional wellness this morning. Vanessa is founder and chief visionary officer of Naledi Zoa Holistic Wellness and Consciousness Coaching. Bring the time right now to 29 minutes after 4 o'clock. Still coming up on the show this morning is our get up and go. And later on, we will be chatting to Masonwa Befuma, who is the former president of Enectus University of Johannesburg, the co-founding chairperson of Mentorship Foundation Africa, as well as co-founding director of Surge Water. He's a speaker, entrepreneur, and activist. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. It is almost 4.30. Here's the sounds of MXO with Zandi Bone. 3 to 5. Sound Awake on SAFM.
attack to my chance Bang as a fight to my guns Don't you take my kindness for weakness Here's a la-la-la Yes, we're gonna stand MXO there with Zandi Born. Bring the time to 27 minutes before 5 o'clock. Reminding you of our topic of the day today. We're talking about load shedding. Is load shedding an effective way to deal with South Africa's power crisis? Now, ESCOM has announced that stage two load shedding has commenced and it adds that it expects the outages to last a while. The power utility says the blackouts will follow the published load shedding schedule and they've also published a notice stating that the national power grid was experiencing severe power constraints. So the question we're asking this morning is load shedding an effective way to deal with South Africa's power crisis? What do you think? All right. So we've got uh, Umasonwabe joining us this morning. Umasonwabe Fuma is our get up and go guest this morning. And we are talking about fitness. It is Fitness Tuesdays. Uh, Masonwabe, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Kani, and a very good morning to your listeners. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Thank you for being with us. Now we are celebrating young people during the month of uh, June and you're definitely one of those that we'd like to uh, shine the spotlight on this morning. You are a former president of Enectus at University of Johannesburg. You're the co-founding chairperson of Mentorship Foundation Africa and the co-founding director of Surge Water. You're a speaker, entrepreneur, activist, etc., etc., etc. Before we get into all of that, let's start with your get up and go routine uh what is your daily fitness routine that gets you going every day <laughs> um so i mean we all have our daily um fitness routines and for me one of those um it doesn't slightly mean being a physical routine but can also be a spiritual and a mental routine as well mm-hmm. so every morning as i wake up i try by all means of a great um sort of mind setting and being in a in a form that says today i can be better than i was yesterday um, one of those routines looks into me reading my Bible each and every morning because mm-hmm. I understand that the Bible is my armor and shield. Um, getting just the word of God and getting that affirmation that I can't be great today, that I can't be better. So for me, I think that's one of my uh, morning routines. Mm, that's very powerful, you know, feeding the body and feeding the spirit and the mind. Now, tell us more about, you know, what it is, you know, th- that you do in your daily life. I mean, I've read out all the different titles that um, you hold. Tell us more about what Masonwa Befuma's day, you know, is really all about. Mm. Um, so, you know, Kanye, I've had the privilege of being led and I've had the honor of being mentored by those before me. Um, I draw great inspiration from leaders who led before me the likes of Peter Machine, the likes of 
um, Hector Peterson put his body on the line for a better education system in this country. I'm really inspired by them. But I think more importantly, I'm inspired by a dear friend of mine who I've had the privilege and honor of meeting and mentoring over the years. Um, this friend of mine hails from a small town in the Eastern Cape called Queenstown. Mm-hmm. And whilst growing up, this friend of mine um, was faced by many like, was faced by many social ills that are facing many young people in small towns and townships of South Africa. Um, he was vulnerable and timid. Um, he, he he was exposed to many social ills whilst growing up. And this friend of mine um, had a small dividend structure, and in small towns such as Queenstown in the Eastern Cape that are sports orientated, he said he couldn't express himself fully. Um, in his home, he, he was exposed to domestic violence where he's seen his father lay his hand onto his mother, um, who then chased him out of the house on cold winter's nights and Baba on Janina Bananati. At school, this friend of mine, where he was meant to be educated, um, one of his one of his teachers never failed to tell him that he'll never amount to anything in life, because from time to time he'd fail to do his homework because of the situation at home. But I guess we we do tend to judge people based on our perceptions of them and not first understanding who they are and the, and why they do the things that they do. The friend of mine studied and completed his matric, and although he was faced by many challenges, he'd smile from time to time because he understood that no challenge is greater than the one above. Mm. He went on to do his first year of tertiary studies in 2012, reached out to all opportunities that are availed to him at varsity at the time, all in a quest of just wanting to become a better person and understanding that a degree alone is not enough. To date, this friend of mine has graduated twice in a space that saw him scientifically incapable and incompetent. Right. Um, he's successfully led the biggest inactive team in the world, having been part of a team that created and positively impacted more than 2,000 lives between 2012 and 2017. He's traveled to more than five international countries representing South Africa and largely Africa and the young people of this continent. He's shared stages with African heads of states such as former President Robert Mugabe. Um, he's shared stages with top business leaders in academia, I mean, an academic who are vice-chancellors of this continent. The friend of mine is constantly infiltrating media spaces with his echoing and clerical voice, all in a quest of just wanting to inspire young people in his generation to be more. Um, in 2018, he was selected to be a part of the 2018 Young African Leaders Initiative. He is currently working for a multinational corporate company. And I'm proud today to say that that friend of mine that went through all those trials and tribulations in life, I'm proud today to say that that friend is me. Mm. I am that friend of mine, Sister Kanye. And I've seen people in life lose their identities and lose who they are because they haven't embraced their backgrounds. That's why I'm saying I know who and what I am in life and what I stand for because I've embraced my background and the trials and tribulations that come with my background. Very so, powerful, very, very, very powerful. And also just to come in there, I mean, you are a young person that has shared an incredible story of that friend of yours, which is you. And what I'd like to also get from you, Masonwambi, you've just um, also, you know, celebrated Youth Day along with uh, many young people and the country as a whole on June 16. What does Youth Day or Youth Month mean to you as a young person living in South Africa today? Um, I think one can only imagine the, the somber mood in the country right now for two years ago. As parents were looking for their children from pillar to post, the likes of Hector Peterson, um, young people who are 
selflessly fighting for the education that we have today. Um, for me, Youth Day is all about going after our dreams with all we've got. Um, having the discipline of going after the dreams, having the discipline of going past the trials and tribulations um, that we have in our daily lives as young people. Um, Youth Day for me means that having the ability to tap into untapped spaces because we need to understand that we have spaces in our society our voices are not heard. So for me, Youth Day is about having that, that courage and that bravery um, to just enter those spaces and having your voice heard and just inspiring other guys. It's about having the ability and capability um, of of putting people in better positions so that they're able to empower themselves as well as those that are to follow. And when it comes to, you know, dealing with issues of leadership, what does leadership mean to you as a young person? <laughs> um, I, think, I think leadership is exactly what I've just been saying. Leadership is the ability of empowering people and advancing people and putting them in better positions. We've had the privilege and honor of being led by those before us who put us into the education system that we today have. Not the best, if I can say, but certainly not what we used to have. So leadership for me is about that. But more importantly, I think it's about looking in society and understanding where we are, looking at the problems, coming up with solutions to the, the problems that we have as a country. So for me, I think that's what leadership is all about. And coming back to, to, to what we're discussing today, I mean, it is our Fitness Tuesdays and we've brought you on here because over and above the incredible work that you do, I mean, you know, we've also just spoken about the importance of, you know, being healthy physically, spiritually and mentally as well. How important is fitness and wellness when it comes to starting your day on a good note? I mean, do, do, do you feel that it makes a difference in terms of activating your body, mind and spirit at the beginning of the day? It definitely does, Ms. Kanye. I mean, being, being fit spiritually, mentally, physically is the start of everything to your day. Um, it enables you to think better throughout the day. It enables you to focus. It enables you to do the work that you meant to do and yeah. to just be a better person. Mm. And when we are talking about motivating ourselves, we can motivate others. But when it comes to motivating ourselves, what motivates you as Masonwabe to do better? Um, I'm inspired and motivated by young people in many spectrums of this country. Young people who, against all odds, are fighting to be better people. Young people who, against all odds, are fighting to get um, a better economic status. Um, I'm inspired by my mom, whom has taught me everything. Um, I'm inspired by my mentors. I'm inspired by um, my, my siblings. I'm inspired by my friends. I'm inspired by just people who want to be better people, people who just want to occupy better spaces in society. Mm. Mm. And let's talk about the work that you do about with, um, you know, Mentorship Foundation Africa. You are the co-founding chairperson. Yes. Um, so Mentorship Foundation Africa is a non-profit organization um, that's aimed at rural and township youth development. So a great deal of our work is centered around bettering and empowering our communities through motivating young people of this country, through hosting intergenerational dialogues that are aimed at assisting the young people of this country, but also talking about issues that matter in our societies. Um, it's aimed at giving motivational talks through visiting schools and townships and rural areas, um, mentoring young people, because whilst growing up, we never had such people in our lives who, who would mentor us. Um, we never had such people who are positive, um, who are positive influences in our lives. 
So Mentorship Foundation Africa is really aimed at empowering the young people of this country through giving them skills, motivating them, and just wanting them to be better people. And when it comes to um, the work that you also do with uh, Surge Water, I mean, is that more of a philanthropy work? Tell us more about what you do there. So Surge Water is a company I co-founded with two of my business partners in 2017, July. And it's a company in the water mineral space. We're very enthusiastic about shared value. It's a shared value company. Um, so we sell mineral, I mean, we sell still water. Um, currently, you have more than distribution channels in the country, which I think we haven't done too bad for a, a startup that has been existing for just under a year. Mm. Um, and then we take certain percentages of some of our profits and we contribute them towards a non-profit organization called the Education Access Campaign, which is one of our stakeholders, which is based in the rural, in the rural Eastern Cape. Um, currently, through some of the profits that we've been able to achieve and some of the work that we've been able to do, we're currently educating two students who are studying at the University of Forty in the Eastern Cape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and tell us more about, you know, why it was important for you to also, you know, deal with issues of water. And I like the fact that you said it's a shared value company because, you know, for mm. people who are not uh, familiar with shared value, shared value is a business. I'm not sure if you were aware there was the shared value, Africa shared value summit recently in it Johannesburg. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, at the mm-hmm. Maslow Hotel, uh, which actually I was involved in uh, in some capacity. And what is interesting for me is that shared value speaks to profit with purpose. You know, so in other words, it's businesses finding ways of meeting social needs whilst making mm-hmm. a positive uh, profit or a solid, you know, bottom line for their company, you know, but also then saying that when communities succeed, businesses succeed. Uh, do, you, mm-hmm. do, do you think that, you know, more businesses need to transform from the business strategy, you know, to start getting more into shared value? No, definitely I do think so. I, I think businesses need to understand that they cannot be sustainable if the societies that they operate in are not sustainable. For instance, the, the, there's been some work that I've been doing and research I've been doing in the Eastern Cape, um, particularly in Queenstown and the outskirts of Queenstown where I come from. And one of the things that I've noticed there is that you find that our elderly or Omar Kulubit or Dam Kulubit who are coming from the outskirts of, of Queenstown would go to Queenstown to the retailers and wholesalers mm-hmm. and they do their, their grocery shopping there each and every month. Mm. But what was interesting for me to find is that those businesses are not doing anything for those communities. Those businesses don't seem for me to understand that they're not businesses if they're not being supported by the people that they are supporting them. Mm-hmm. So some of the work that we are doing is to try and get those businesses to support um, those communities. For instance, if young people of those rural communities are saying they want to start a soccer team or they want to start a rugby team, mm-hmm. then those businesses have an obligation and a responsibility of assisting in terms of um, sponsorships, in terms of any form of assistance that they can give to those communities. Because it's about understanding that they won't be sustainable if the people who are supporting them day in and day out are not sustainable themselves. And that's why we are inspired by the the philosophy of shared value and surge. 
Now, I'd like to read a, a tweet that has uh, come through for you from one of our listeners, Ubutlebetu, saying, Amen and Amen. I agree with Masonwabe. The youth of 1976 dealt with their struggle at that time. We too need to stand for what faces us uh, today. So there you go. Young people really relating uh, to what it is that, you know, you, you are talking about. And if you were to name maybe two or three of the main uh, struggles that young people are facing today that they need to face head on with as much passion and vigor as the youth of 1976 what would those be um i think the first one would be youth unemployment mm-hmm. um it's no secret that we're living in a country with more than 40 percent of unemployed people and i mean 40 percent would just be um the, the the people who have not been captured over the past year and if we were to include those, then we'd be sitting with a figure roughly between 50 and 55%. So for me, I think youth unemployment is one of the greatest challenges that we are faced with as a country. And I strongly believe that entrepreneurship is one of the, the remedies that can be used to aid um, youth unemployment. Hence some of the work that I've been doing, um, which is focused on entrepreneurship and focused on mentoring young people to just adopt a problem-solving mindset, which is an entrepreneurial mindset in. So that would be the first challenge that I have. That's, I mean, that, that would be the first challenge that we have as young people. Mm-hmm. Um, the second challenge for me, I think, is around our education system. I think in this country we've incubated an education system that is giving us the, the theory and not necessarily the skills that are needed in industry. We find many young people today who are occupying spaces in corporate South Africa with qualifications, but they don't have the necessary skills that are needed in those spaces. Hence, for instance, if you go to, to home affairs, you find that there's the lady who's at reception, there's an elderly woman who's standing in a queue, mm. instead of allowing that woman to come to the front and serve her. So they would play the queue cards instead of assisting elderly people. And I think for me, those are the kind of skills that this speaks to. So we've educated, I mean, we've incubated such an, an education system that's allowing our young people to enter such spaces with no skills but just the theory of things. So I think that would be the second um, challenge that we have. All right. Thank you so much for dealing, uh, for joining us this morning. Masonwabe, thank you for sharing your get up and go. It's been an absolute pleasure being in your company and all the best as you continue to make an impact in this beautiful country of ours. All the best to you. Enjoy the rest of your day. 10 minutes before ten, 5 o'clock. Stay with us right here on SAFM Sound Awake. The 2018 National Arts Festival in Grahamstown is jam-packed with more music, more theatre, more dance, and more amazing than ever before. And SAFM will be there in full force from the 28th of June till the 8th of July. It's South Africa's iconic arts event. Make this the year that you experience amazing. Book your tickets now by visiting nationalartsfestival.co.za or visit safm.co.za. SAFM, bringing you the 2018 Iconic Arts Event. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM, 106.6 FM in Bloemfontein. Good morning. Isn't it strange that many regard questions like what's the meaning of life and who am I as airy-fairy and irrelevant to real life? 
when so much of real life is determined exactly by how people live out their answers to those very questions. For example, if a company or firm's identity is based on sailing very close to the wind, its survival depends on that not being found out. A lot of energy will be spent on keeping things under wraps. If my personal identity has a fractured foundation, I will live in a way to show the world it is not really so and that I'm actually fine. In the corporate and personal examples, we see how economically the truth is used. Why? Because the fear is simple. The truth will make it all come tumbling down and the true worth will be revealed. It seems that most of us believe we are so fractured that if others knew the truth about us, they could never accept us or like us. So we fear the truth. That's the sad thing about identity. We think talking about it is airy-fairy, but it hurts us in the center of our beings. And those who talk about it all the time easily lose the reality of what they do to people's lives and won't take responsibility for that. Does this mean that identity shouldn't be talked about? That it is too politically loaded a term to use? Not really. It does suggest that we need to talk about it soberly and that to use it as a political tool in a fractured society to gain popular support may not be morally responsible. Identity is something we all have a sense of. We are someone. We belong somewhere. We mean something. We're not always sure what, though, and that's what we need to talk about. It is important to know that before Jesus began the work that the Father had for him to do, he was assured of his identity. That started the battle of identity when the devil tempted Jesus to prove who he was by abusing the power he had. It's a common trap we set for people. If you are so powerful, so rich, so whatever, then just do this one thing. And anyone who is insecure falls into that trap to prove that they are not insecure. So where is a secure identity to be found? Not in things that can be changed, removed, or revoked. A secure identity must be rooted in some way that nothing can ever alter it. Such an identity is only found in being rooted in Jesus. In Jesus we are redeemed from all self-images that are false and no longer need to pretend to be who we aren't, for we are loved because it pleases God to love us unconditionally. And that changes my life forever. From me, Alan Williams at St. Luke's Church in Johannesburg, goodbye until we meet again this time again next Tuesday, and go with God today. All right, let's look at what's happening on the timeline. Kathy coming through saying the country is getting tired of poor service delivery and load shedding while we have too many MPs, mayors, etc. who are mostly useless telling us there is no money. Social development and water and sanitations are two of examples of South Africa's wasteful expenditure. Also coming through from Kathy saying load shedding was due to workers wanting an increase. The decision to give 0% was taken by executive who took a bonus. We are being thrown into crisis mode in most depths because of too many overpaid unnecessary executives who want too much. Kathy, they're commenting on our topic of the day and we're asking, is load shedding an effective way to deal with 
with South Africa's power crisis and that is the question today. Boy on Radio also comes through saying that our load shedding is better than a total black out. I agree with you there, Boy on Radio, but at the end of the day, we have to ask the question, what are also some of the alternatives that we can use to also make sure that, you know, we are alleviating the pressure on the power grid. You can also continue sending us your tweets and your comments throughout the day on this particular topic. You can connect with me on Twitter at Kenya underscore Makubane. You can also connect with us at SAFM Radio. That is where you will be. Here's Lionel Richie with Say You, Say Me. Always, that's the way it should be. Say you, say me, say it together naturally. I had a dream, I had an awesome dream. Playing games in the dark And what they played Was a masquerade From behind the walls of doubt A voice was crying Oh uh-huh. 